Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey everyone, welcome to the Players Lounge podcast. All right, today I'm just going to get straight into it. Let's not go with the elaborate, you know, introductions, so to speak. We've got Aaron Finch joining us. We're going to ask him a lot of questions. The destructive player that he is, Aaron Finch, captain of Australia, sometimes not captain of Australia. And I tell you what, he tells you all the stories you need to hear. But first up, let's hear from Graham Swan. Swanee, before we get started, let me just tell you, okay, remember when we had Ross Taylor on and I asked him, him how many runs was he going to score in the WTC final and you said no you don't do that don't ask anyone don't ask players the questions the jinx the superstition um who scored the winning runs who asked the question who may perhaps made it happen well I, me. I, I can't believe you're actually admitting that though because you know you live in India and this could be the worst thing you've ever admitted but yeah I can appreciate a good test match you know even if my heart was bleeding for India I bleed blue I can appreciate a yes. good test match or that test match day in particular whatever the rain that I've seen yeah and it was a good test match it was an incredible end yeah. to the uh, ITC to the World Test Championship so well done, New Zealand. We'll say that first. A doff of the cap to you. Commiserations, India, but I think we all know had that game been played in India, there'd be a different result. But we've got to turn our, turn our heads and turn our tables today because we are going to Australia. And, I, you know, I mean, it makes me almost sick to the stomach that we have to get Australians on here. Of course. I mean, what are we even thinking? We, were, <laughs> well, we started the series with Pat Cummins, didn't we? So we just got the Aussie right in there. Well, that's the problem. And up. it turned out that Pat Cummins was one of the nicest blokes ever. <laughs> and you just think, oh, come on. You, you really want to dislike the Aussies. But um, it's like my dad always said about the Welsh. And individually, they're fantastic. You get a few together, you've got a rugby team or a choir. So you've got to be very careful. <laughs> We always hear the, uh, you know, the great things about Finchie. I just, I'm going to ask him this straight up as well, because I feel like he's the kind of person who can be honest in his position. You don't need to hold anything back. But just imagine his career and particularly as a captain, Swanee, where sometimes you're just not captain or you're dropped from captaincy, which has nothing to do with the result. And then if you're not playing in other formats, you know, you're kind of maybe playing four or five T20s when you're captain. Fortunately, I think for him personally, captaining Australia in the World Cup must have, you know, felt great. But uh, a lot of his career was, you know, just in and out of captaincy. Well, yeah, but he's played in a strange time for Australian cricket. Mm. You know, um, he's been in and around the group when they've sort of fallen from being the best team in the world. Um, and then they've won the World Cup with him playing, having yeah. such a good World Cup in Australia. 
the whole sandpaper gate thing. He's been sort of mm. in and around the team. Uh, and with the fallout with Steve Smith as the captain and all stuff like that and David Warner and the stories that we all know. So, And I'm very interested to see what it's actually like mm. on the inside because um, uh, he's played in the Ashes, he's played in the World Cup. He's absolutely dominated England. I know that a lot. I yeah. think the first yeah. three times he played England in one day internationals, he got a massive hundred all the time, or so it seemed. Um, so it'll be interesting to talk to him about that as well. The other thing is, I guess in a way you could say he's kind of dominated franchise cricket because he's played for so many different leagues and so many different teams. Um, maybe we, I mean, we won't bring up the auction maybe this time around because, you know, things do turn. And that's the funny thing with someone who has tremendous experience can be as destructive. I mean, does it just come down to conditions or the team that you play for? I really wonder, you know. Well, it does. And, and let's face it, we all know with the IPL as well, it comes down to uh, the people sat Team at the selection. table who's willing yeah. who's willing to put their mm. hand up and how well you get on with the owner mm. and the coach mm. and the captain and all stuff like that. So I, mm. would, mm. I, I wouldn't I would be surprised if um, uh, with, the, with the way things are around the world at the moment with dropouts, there will be inevitably be dropouts before mm. the next IPL. I wouldn't be surprised mm. if a certain A. Finch finds himself... Uh, donning the colours of one team. I wouldn't mind if they were pink either, if I'm honest. I was, because I think we do very well for Rajasthan. <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't know if he's worn like a pink jersey in India just yet, but uh, why not? We can, we can get that going. Um, yeah, no, it'd be great to talk to Aaron Finch, certainly. I, I'd be really interested to know, you know the kind of partnership that he's possessed with David Warner, the kind of how he approaches his, his cricket and, of course, his childhood. So we're going to get straight, into, uh, straight into it with uh, Aaron Finch. So here we have it on the Player Lounge podcast. Aaron Finch joining us. So Graham Swan has got a special guest in his lap. A cute little uh, doggy. But uh, Finchie, sorry, Finchie has got to steal the screen right now, Swanee. We'll have to wait till we come That's to fine. you. That's <laughs> uh, Finchie, you're in the West Indies right now. Thanks so much for joining us. I know it's a bit of a crazy time difference because I'm sitting in India. Swanee's in the UK. You're in the West Indies, but we're managing to do this uh, in the bio bubble. Australia returning to you know competitive cricket in that sense after four months. Uh, it's a lot to take in. It's not just ordinary tours anymore, right? How's BioBubble life? It's okay. We've been here in the West Indies for the best part of, I think, 10 or 11 days. We had a few days of quarantine, a few days of practice, and then with the threat of a, a hurricane or a cyclone coming through St. Lucia as well, which, which was kind of scary. Um, but all in all, a couple of practice games and we kick off tomorrow. So, yeah, we're, we're excited to get into it. Um, I think after playing, not playing for four months, it's everyone's, everyone's keen and raring to go. Now, I, I just want to throw this in because we've got Finchie on. Finchie, you, I reckon, I've got this, this right-wing theory or left-wing, left-field theory even, that Aaron Finch is more responsible for the rebirth of English World Cup cricket and 50-over cricket than any other human being. Because do you remember the World Cup in Australia that Australia went on to win, obviously, then and there, and England were terrible, truly terrible. Early on in that game, I was commentating, and a certain Aaron Finch flicked one off his toes, easy catch the square leg, fluffed. Someone fluffed his lines, put the ball down. That was a pivotal moment, because England still had a terrible one-day team. But had that catch gone in, you never know what might have happened. England might have scraped through qualification, not got rid of Cookie as captain. Owen Morgan never gets the gig. We don't win the World Cup. So on behalf of our nation, I think Finchie blasting 100 after that, I think it had more to do with it than anything else. Thank you, mate. Well, I, th- I think uh, Cookie 
he played the one day series leading into the World Cup from memory. And then it was a really quick transition when he was out. And I think Ian Bell was out after that series. And then Morgs took over. And um, I think taking over for a, a couple of weeks out from a World Cup's never easy, mate. So, um, yeah, but, but Wokesy was there at square leg, actually, off Jimmy. Um, so all I remember leading into that game is all I'd ever watched was Jimmy Anderson swinging them around corners and knocking blokes over. You see him with the Duke's ball and, and how good he, he is. So I was petrified. And then we played in the final of the one-day comp and he got me out at the whacker first over, nicked off. So leading into that game, I was absolutely petrified of facing him because I, I just thought I'm way out of my depth here. Well, you say that, but your record against England in white ball cricket was just phenomenal, like 100 after 100 after 100. Easily your favourite attack to bat against, surely. Oh, I've played on some pretty nice wickets during that time, to be honest, as well. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is about England. I think having played a, or in England quite a bit, six years of county cricket, I think that helps. You, you play, you get the players a bit more regularly. Um, so it just comes down to... Some days it's your day. Um, I've got a few first ballers too, you know. Well, Fitchy, that's what we enjoy about you, you know, as fans who watch you, because you you do you do always kind of you know have that smile. You're very very honest about your situations, whether you, when you're in form, when you're not in form. Do you rem- that was very descriptive? You know, do do you remember every innings, every knock? You know, the ones that just really stand out, and you remember where each and every fielder was. Is there ever a situation like that? Yeah, I've, I've been pretty good with that kind of stuff from when I was yeah. a young kid, all, all games of cricket, any schoolwork, I'm hopeless. I can't remember. I'm not great with people, people's <laughs> names or uh, I, I was obviously a little bit late here cause I just, I had the timings wrong in my phone. Um, but coming to come to cricket games and I can remember most balls that are bold. It, it's, it's really unique. It's really strange. Um, I reckon most professional crickets would be similar to that though. Um, I can remember Swanee bowled to me at a, in a tour game at the SCG. Uh, I was playing for Australia A against England. He got me out, caught, I think, backward point, trying to slog sweep one. I hit, I, I hit, I hit the ball before for six, and then next ball out. <laughs> but it's weird you should say that, though, because I'm exactly the same. And I find it with my son, who's now 10. He cannot remember his own middle name half the time. And yet, cricket games, he, he said something the other day. He said, do you remember that ball that Brodie bowled? Uncle Brodie, he calls it. That Brodie bowled. He was about four or five years old. This is going back to like 2015. It's one of the first games he watched at Trent Bridge when, I hate to bring it up, but when on, you know, that morning where Australia got rolled for nothing. And he always remembers that Ben Stokes catch off Brodie. Cause it, and I think it was Adam Vogues was batting. So Vogues is my mate. Yeah. And he, and, and he can remember that. He said, oh, do you remember that ball Brody bowled? It just angled in and held up. He doesn't have a clue what he's talking about, <laughs> angled in and held up. But he's heard someone say it. And yet he cannot remember his own middle name. So it, I think it's a cricket thing that runs yeah, through. absolutely. Are you someone who talks cricket all the time as well, Finchy? Like uh, on your off time, do you kind of like deconstruct the game with your mates? Uh, when you, I mean, because you kind of have to as captain, right? Are you always switched on? Are you able to switch off at home? Are you able to switch off with the missus when Amy's there? Or, you know, is that something that you're always discussing? She gives me more coaching advice than anyone. Um, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a nuffy. I, I watch a lot of cricket. And yeah. I talk a lot of cricket. I, I, I think it's just it's something that I love. So it's something that you end up being being so attached to all the time. Doesn't matter who's playing. You're always yeah. you're always watching and analysing, comparing. Um, that's yeah. It's it's strange because 
when especially when you're on tour, everyone, some people pretend like they don't mm-hmm. love talking cricket, but then they'll always just be sitting just outside the circle, still having their their opinions. Um, if you're sitting around having a beer mm-hmm. on a day off or something like that, um, so it's just if you don't love the job, we're in the wrong industry, aren't sure. we? So um, yeah, I, I I love it. I tell you, that is so true as well. Every team has players like that who pretend that they're not bothered. Oh, I don't even like cricket. I oh, I could do anything else, yeah. And yet they're that you know full well that they're putting as many hours behind the scenes, as Absolutely. many hours training and yeah. doing everything. Just yeah, whatever, mate. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it happens for Australia <laughs> as well as the England team. Yeah, too cool for school. That's a good way of putting it. Hey, but listen, hang on a second. Speaking of school, this kind of unlocks a memory because, you know, we're, we're sitting here, Swanee, and, uh, you know, the audience that is listening in, we're, we're talking to Australia's captain at the moment. Uh, but at the age of 20, an incident happened where we could have seen a career that basically never happened because, am I getting this right, Finchie? You decided to use the facilities and the facilities being off a balcony into a garden. And you may have never had this career that you have. What's the story there? When you say off a balcony, it was literally off. I was on the ground floor. um, Okay. (laughs) So what happened? Give give us the full details. Well, it was very late at night. um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Enough said. (laughs) And nothing happened. Nothing happened of it. And then six six weeks later, someone someone said, "Oh, yeah, someone was caught peeing off the balcony." And I, I, I. as you do at that time of the morning, I didn't remember a huge amount about it. And I was Phil, Phil Hughes was my roommate and he said, Oh, that was you mate. So mm-hmm. I said, oh, okay, look, went up and apologized and said, look, that won't happen again. Um, very sorry. And they said, uh, no, well, the, the people who, who were running the, the apartment building, they said, yep, no problem. We understand you're 18, 19, you're 20 years old, that these things happen. Um, I think the cricket Academy at the time being attached to the Australian Institute of Sport, they weren't overly impressed about it. Um, yeah, so is this at Henley Beach in Adelaide? No, this is when this was the second or third year that it had been in Brisbane. So originally we lived at we lived out at uh, Griffith University in Mount Gravatt um, in the like dorm style, and then the third year was a year that we had um, really nice apartments on the water there uh, in in the middle of Brisbane. It was beautiful, and yeah, so that that cost me. It cost me a, a academy trip to India. Wow. Um, yeah. then, I, then I got Victoria also made me train by myself for six weeks. Um, well, so, yeah, you can't was, blame him in, ca- in case you weed on any of the players. So, I mean, it's fair enough. Well, I Victoria. think the moral of the story is don't, <laughs> don't own up to anything. No, exactly. Don't be honest. <laughs> yeah, when, when you walk up you to should, PS, You, that, you that should have me. just blamed all your bowling group and said it definitely wasn't me. It was... It was yellow piece of paper. It was not weed, and you'd have got away with it. <laughs> nah, well, I, I was growing up to take responsibility. Good boy. We're proud of you for doing it. <laughs> but it's amazing when things like that can happen because, you know, we were reading up about your childhood. Again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you know, you grew up in a place that maybe had like a double-digit population, and then you're you know an international athlete playing it stadiums like the MCG or when you come to India and you play in these crazy IPL stadiums where, you know, there's this crowd, there's this noise, there's this sort of exposure. And, you know, how, how was that experience when you first made that transition from, you know, just growing up playing your backyard cricket with your siblings and then suddenly you're out there in the spotlight with the noise and everyone watching you? 
It's different, no doubt. I think having a having an old or two older brothers, but one that I played sport with a lot, mm. funnily enough, probably prepares you a little bit for it as well. Because I, I used to get bashed up because I, I, if I batted too long, I was never allowed bat first, things like that. But then also, um, I think growing up in the country and playing sport against adults mm. from a from a really young age, from being twelve or thirteen. Obviously, it doesn't prepare you for the pressure of the crowd or anything like that, but I think it prepares you a little bit better for then making your transition into professional sport because you, you've been exposed to that from such a young age. Um, whereas a lot of guys in the city, they, they go through the pathway of playing junior cricket in their age groups and then they play school cricket. And then when they, when they finish school, then they go and play men's cricket. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, that's why I love growing up. In the country and uh, that was it was brilliant you, you just get you have great experience you have better experiences a lot don't you mm-hmm. well i was thinking that because i had a similar thing as in my dad maybe played senior cricket from the age of about 11 12 as in men's cricket rather than do the old public school um, english cricket system and it does toughen you up mainly because i learned swear words that i didn't even know existed <laughs> For being a 12-year-old kid who's trying to bat out a game. Some of the, I can only imagine Australian bush cricket in the countryside. It must have been absolutely feral, some of the bowlers. Well, well uh, yeah, it was. Because also at that time, I, I was maybe 12 or 13 playing senior cricket um, against some guys that were, were pretty good players. And then you look back on that. But how well it actually sets you up and prepares you and, and makes you a little bit more resilient... Um, is amazing, and uh, yeah, I was I was grateful for that because you you're always, I suppose, looking for looking for resilience in players, and I and I feel as though that that that's a key key part of playing. Yeah. Do you feel that as an Australian captain, because it's something we've always admired the Aussie way to play cricket, and you know, um, there there is as stereotypical as it sounds there's a toughness about it so do you think that sort of resilience being an Australian captain comes very handy now because you're really in the spotlight you're in the radar there are times where you've been captain you've not been captain you know it's been a bit of a tough road that way yeah I'm not sure about resilience I think the you you play to you play to win you play to have fun um Mm. I think the the best thing I learn about cricket from from another player um, about off-field cricket is I was I was playing cricket for Yorkshire with Kane Williamson and we were travelling up and down the highway quite a little bit and he started talking about some conversations that he'd had with Hashim Amla mm-hmm. and Hashim Amla said to him, well, when you uh, when you die, they don't write how many hundreds you got on your headstone. They, they write it if you're a good person, you're a loving husband, father, mm-hmm. son, whatever. They, they don't talk about your cricket achievements on your headstone. So just take it for what it is. Be a good person, and and yeah, take take every day. And well, don't don't um, don't put too much pressure on on your performance in a game. That in mm-hmm. in a hundred years' time, there's gonna there's not going to be all that relevant. Um, so yeah, make make your family proud, make make yourself proud, but yeah. just enjoy it for what it is. That helped me sort of disconnect from the result. Because as soon as you, you take the result out of the game, I think that that frees your mind up and, and allows you to... Well, obviously, you want to do well. Everyone tries to do as well as they can. But we're in a game that is based around, especially a batsman, a game that is based around failure. 
that, that's just reality. That the, the the best players in the world still fail a high percentage of time. Yeah. So understand true. that, yeah. appreciate it, and and come to terms with it. Yeah. What I love about that story, the fact that three of the biggest players in the world actually sharing that information, helping each other out, how you deal with playing cricket. Because exactly. a lot of people, I mean, I know I do this in other sports. I watch a lot of football, being English. And I'm always, I always put the players, forget that they're human, forget that they have these conversations and these way of thinking. But I'm sure that some footballers sit on the team coach sometimes saying, you know, at the end of the day, that was just a game. Yes, we lost 3-0 to Newcastle because Newcastle are the best team in the country, la da But it's just a game. And to actually hear you say it, Finchie, that's amazing. you can imagine Hashim Amla <laughs> having that conversation with Kane and then that information gets back to Aaron Finch and so on. I think that's brilliant insight into what yeah. actually happens. Never happened to me. No one ever gave me that sort of advice while I played. I must have been, I must have been that unpopular that no one bothered saying it to me. Yeah, that's advice you probably need when guys are trying to mow you out of the park, isn't it? And you, and you, you, can, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you can walk back to the top of your mark and go, right, it's just a game, just relax. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. anybody? Anyone going to <laughs> But when have, has there been a moment, um, Finchie, where you felt that you didn't pay heed to that advice and everything around you just did get to you? Oh, I think in the, well, playing test cricket for one, I, I was trying too hard to be, I was trying too hard mm-hmm. to make runs and I was trying too hard to try and look like an opening batter rather than understanding that I play right. a certain way, just go with it. If you're good enough, you, it's great. If you're not, it's okay. It's okay not to be good enough at something. Um, instead, I got caught in that middle ground of, of trying to impress trying too hard to get runs that you forget the, the process. So in the lead up to that, played in Dubai, had a one day series against South Africa and then tests against India, tests and then one day. And this was all in the lead up to the yeah. 2019 World Cup. So there was talk that Smith was going to come back and captain. And, and so I started putting unnecessary mm-hmm. pressure on myself because I, I stopped focusing on, on the process and I started looking at an outcome. So I'm, I'm thinking I need runs. It's hard to get runs if you don't get to 10. You can't get 100 if you don't get to 10. So then so then, then you start gripping the bat tight and you're thinking, I just need runs. But what does that mean at the end of the day for me? So f- for me, that's about having aggressive footwork in terms of how I go about it. My mindset needs to be aggressive. But I'd forgotten all of that. I'd forgot to watch the ball sharply because I was just focused on the outcome and didn't didn't dive into and innings with the full concentration because I was just so focused on the outcome. And then you look back and you're kicking yourself and I eventually let it all go and, and managed to get uh, some runs in India when we beat them three, two in the one day series. That's right. Yeah. And, I remember that series. And then back to back hundreds in Dubai against Pakistan. And um, yeah, then the rest is history sort of once you, once you learn, it's okay to fail. It's, it doesn't define who you are as a person. Just let it go. And I, I can walk off comfortable knowing that I've still tried my best if I get a first ball duck or I get 100. Some days, like World Cup semi-final, Joffre Archer nips one back, LBW. Geez, I burnt a review too. That was that was, uh, <laughs> oh, that was shocking. And then, um, but I can walk off saying I've, I've planned and prepared as well as I could for that game. He bowled one ball that was too good for me. It just happens to be at the start of your innings when you, yeah, yeah, when you're not quite on. So that, that's okay. That, that's that's life. 
You just said about burning a review there. Let me just ask you quickly about that because this is a burning contention. Being, I mean, I'll firmly put myself in the bowlers' union on this one. A true batsman is never out, never admits yeah. to being out. It's why Shane Watson, for me, is the purest batsman I know from Australia <laughs> because he would review every... Stuart Broad should have been an opening batsman because he never yeah. thinks he's out. Burnt reviews, burnt reviews. Back in the Australian dressing room, if you do, like if you burn one there, like you said, do you get back in and just take pads off and go, yeah, sorry, lads. Or do you sit down and go, that was never out. I don't care what that says, that was never out. Um, How does it go down in the rooms? It depends who it is. Because, <laughs> if, well, another, another review that I burnt, and, and this is, again, for the same reason, because you're on the, you're on, under pressure and you want to score runs so badly that you can't give yourself out. You can't walk off the ground thinking, geez, I wouldn't mind someone else having a second, have mm. a second look at that. So the World Cup quarterfinal against Pakistan in 2015 at the Adelaide Oval, I got 100 first game against England and I didn't get many runs and I, was, I, was, I wasn't under pressure for my spot. I was always playing, but I felt under pressure and I got, I think we were chasing 180 and I got hit in the middle of the front pad and I walked in the other end and said to Davey Warner, oh, what do you think, mate? He goes, oh, it looked pretty good. I said, oh, I, was, I felt as I was just falling over, like it, it might have been sliding down leg. He goes, all right, use it then. <laughs> so I used it and I was hitting middle stump, but literally that far <laughs> up in, in the middle of middle stump. And this is the, the World Cup semi-final and uh, quarter-final rather. And I walked in, took my pads off, went up to the viewing room and I copped one of the great sprays from Darren Lehman. He said, if, if, if we lose this, if we lose this game by, uh, no, Steve Smith was batting. Uh, yeah. If, a review. If he yeah. gets a 50-50 yeah. decision and, and we don't have a review, look out. Uh, with a few other words in there, it was, it was bloody funny yeah. looking back at it. At the time, you, at the time, you're just absolutely shitting yourself. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
I gotta say, you know, it, it's it's really interesting as I'm sure aspiring cricketers who are listening to this to talk about you when you're, in, you know, in tough bit of form, how you pace your innings and get yourself out of those situations, you know, set those small targets. But what about when you and David Warner are just destroying the confidence of bowlers across the globe? Because your partnership, the destructive dynamic, I can't even think of adjectives, but when the two of you are in the zone, you are so well and truly in the zone. Are you like in a bubble? Do you just like... You know, what's going on between the two of you? Are you cracking jokes in the middle? I really hope you're cracking jokes in the middle. No, not many, not many jokes in the middle. It's all cricket. Um, we, I think we complement each other really well because mm. obviously left and right hand, but we're also very, very yeah. different. So for me, I, I get in early in my innings can be vulnerable to the full ball, but I, I think I can score quite heavily off the full ball, whereas Davies heavily off the back foot. He can hurt you as soon as you get slightly short. So you not, you not only have to change your line, but your, your lengths have to be quite, well, very different, but very, um, well, very disciplined, I think. So So that also happens to play into both of our hands, really. Once you, once you get in, I think we run pretty well between, well, very well between wickets together. So we can sort of put pressure on oppositions in a, in a couple of different ways. But having known each other for, almost 20 years now as well. Um, that that helps in a partnership. You, you just understand what they're thinking. Um, you'll, you almost know what they're going to do after or before they've done it because you, you've been with them so many times that you can see how he's gripping the bat. You can see the look on his face that he's, that he's about to do, about to play a certain shot. Um, so so that, that sort of helps calm everything down. And, and also you can be really honest and really vulnerable with each other as a partnership, which is, is quite quite uncommon I would imagine in especially international sport being able to tell you your partner say look I don't fancy facing this guy at the moment you you, you take him if let, let's not take a quick single because I, I don't back myself getting through Trent Bolt for example who swings it back onto my front pad like he, he he's looking for that um yeah it's, it's just strange isn't it how, how it works like that you you've bowled and taken wickets in ODIs before you've got what four ODI victims. Yeah, I, I uh, actually went. Do you know who they are? Yeah, absolutely. I know who they are. I went through these the Tell other day. Tell me. With, some, <laughs> yeah. some very, very good players in this There's list. some good batsmen in there. Exactly. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll Come on, then name them. My first one was Rohit Sharma. Mm-hmm. Caught, caught mid-wicket at Mahali. Um, just beaten in flight slightly. Chipped it to deep mid-wicket. Um, beat him in flight on the back foot, would you believe? Um <laughs> That <laughs> <laughs> he was he was trying to hit about two hundred meters and shanked it to deep mid wicket. My second one was Bhuvanesh with Kumar. Maybe that was swapped around. Mm-hmm. I think that might have been swapped around. Bhuvi might have been my first at Pune. Uh, and then I got Harris Sahail at mm-hmm. uh, Dubai. Round the wicket, caught behind, sliding onto the left hander, just nicked it. Genuine nick. And the last one was Mohammed Afiz caught mid wicket at Taunton uh, in the World Cup. We went in with four bowlers. Well, it's a good, it's a good, good group in that. That's some, a lot of hundreds there. Fitch, I was going to ask you. So you've got wickets. Who is the worst bowler you've got out to? Uh, oh no, there. I got out to Jake Weatherald, um, left-handed opening batter from South Australia. We're playing uh, the Shepherd Shield final, and it was an absolute dust bowl in Alice Springs. Um, the Grand Prix was on in Melbourne at the time, so we can't play in Melbourne. And I think I was on 80-something in the second innings. We've, we've got a 500-run lead. 
and he's bowled me this ball around my legs, left arm spinner, uh, sorry, right arm leg spinner from around the wicket, around my legs, bowled. Um, that's probably as bad as I've got out to, I reckon. You've got a tremendous amount of experience, uh, Finchie, playing franchise cricket all over. Um, does it, I think, 13 domestic teams, if I'm not wrong, does it get easier or harder every time you play for a new team? Uh, I'd say it gets harder just because you you just have to meet so many different people. It would be nice if you just uh, if you just turned up to the one franchise, you knew you knew where you're staying, you knew the coaching staff, the owners, and, and all that stuff. Um, that would be ideal because you you just have to meet so many new people, and and that takes a lot of time to to get to know, especially with your players if you haven't played with them before. If you if they're especially it's things like IPL when there's a lot of change over the of the young Indian players um, to get to know them on a on a really good level to to be successful playing with them that takes a bit of time um, and if you come in a week before the tournament that can be that can be tough to to fast track that so let's make you you can be diplomatic about this because I know you will be Finchy but you can give us some really weak hints so that we all understand uh, one franchise that you would love to play for again and one franchise there is no chance you're ever coming back. Um, one franchise, well, in terms of IPL, I, I was disappointed that I did my hammy, uh, snapped my hamstring tendon after four games playing for Mumbai. Um, so then I had to go home and have surgery and that, that year Mumbai won it. So that was, that was disappointing. So that, that'd be nice to have another crack there just to, just to be able to, well, and they went, they seem to win it every year as well. They and, do. And it's they're, not the worst place to be a batsman either, the Wankidi on that pitch. Yeah, they're, they're a brilliant stadium. Brilliant stadium. Um, the owners were great. It was just unfortunate I got injured then. Um, but I love playing T20 cricket for Surrey as well. Um, the, the four years that I had there, it was absolutely brilliant. I would go back there in a, in a heartbeat. I, I keep in touch with Alex Stewart saying, look, I'm not far away from retirement. If, if Vic, Vic Graham Solanke needs an assistant coach there, well, I'll tell you what, I don't know if you've seen, we've got Darren Stevens, who's still playing first-class cricket for Kent, and he's 43 or 44 years old now. He's still opening the bowling. We will take cricketers until they drop dead, honestly. If you want to come and play in England, there's always room for you, any way you want. Fielding is the one thing that's going to force me into retirement quicker. <laughs> like, that's why, that's why four-day cricket, it just, that, that gives me sweaty palms, because... The, the thought of some fielding, dreadful. The, the thought of getting stuck on a flatty and fielding for for a day and a half that just that hurts. <laughs> you know, as a kid, I think I say this to every guest, but as a kid, when you're growing up, every coach bleats into you. Batting and bowling are important, but the most important part of cricket is the fielding. And you know full well that it's bollocks because they wouldn't say it over and over unless they were trying to brainwash you. <laughs> Fielding sucks, kids. It really does. But you've got to do it. Batting is great. Bowling is awesome. Fielding sucks. Just suck it up and get on with it. There's your advice. <laughs> Listen, uh, Finchie, you mentioned retirement a couple of times. Surely you're not even thinking about that right now. Uh, depends how many runs I get. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I, I, I might be a forced retirement. Um, no, I think... Well, I'm 34, so I'm not. Um, I'm not closer to. The, I'm a lot closer to the end than I am the start. So, um, yeah, it's it's not. That's not all that far away. I think the 2023 World Cup in a in a perfect world. That's where I'd get through to and um, and call it a day. Unfortunately, in sport, there's not too many fairy tales. So, 
uh, we'll have to wait and see. Could you have your perfect fairy tale with the T20 World Cup? Have you thought of that? Uh, I've, I've thought about winning it, no doubt. Um, it's the one thing that's escaped our, our trophy cabinet so far. And I think that we've been, we've had some really good sides. We just haven't brought it together all the time. Um, I think playing a lot of the tournaments in, in the subcontinent or in, in conditions like the West Indies, which are quite similar, um, India, Sri Lanka, them conditions, that, that can be quite... It's, it's very obviously a long way away from our conditions traditionally. And I think at times we, we just haven't quite nailed that. Um, it's, yeah, 2020, two 2020 World Cups and a 50 over World Cup would be nice um, in, in a two and a half year period. I tell you what, I, I was just about to say, I had to retire when I was 34. I wanted to play until I was 40. What I will say is the age from 34 to 40 wanting to still be able to play but not being able to is the longest six years of your life so carry on as long as you can get to Surrey open the bat and field it. keep wicket if you have to to stop fielding <laughs> it is rubbish well, cricket once been... you finish is it's the easiest game in the world that's the problem when you finish you watch it you go this is rubbish they're nowhere near as good as when I played oh my yeah. this is such an easy game it's horrible carry yeah. on forever we, we might start well, if they bought the fielding rotations in, then you can just yes. park yourself on the side. Or we could be the first well, team that has, it, a, yeah. has a first a first slip for twenty overs. Yeah, first, first slip hit behind the keeper. That's another thing. You've blatantly you've you've been in a dress room with David Hussey. I know that because I remember having so many conversations with David Hussey about why haven't they brought in rotations for fielders yet? How you can just come on, bowl your overs, go back in like like NFL football. Special teams come on. <laughs> Yeah. Do the field and all the kids who didn't get picked for anything at school, the athletes, they can go and run around and dive and bring out the specialist batsmen and bowlers. Cricket would well, be there, awesome. There was a lot of talk about that, especially after we had Harry Gurney, your good friend out here playing for yes. the Big Bash the year that we won it. And brilliant bowler. He was unbelievable with the ball for the Renegades, for knots for a long time, for England in patches. Um, but he's probably the worst fielder I've ever seen. So, without a doubt, <laughs> so there, there's there was talk from Trent Woodhill, and he said, "Well, we shouldn't be celebrating how poor somebody is at their skill. So why don't we, yeah, why don't we bring people on that we can celebrate how good people can be at fielding? So if that means that, yeah. that they're saving twenty runs in the field compared to us watching a bloke drop a soda on repeat, like that's." <laughs> <laughs> That's not good for the game, but watching young kids dive around and, and have an impact yeah. in the field is. So let's think about that and, and look to incorporate that. So, yeah, it's quite, it was quite interesting. It oh, is I've interesting, especially because you're saying Harry Gurn is the worst field you've ever seen, and you've also seen Monty Panasar field. That's how bad <laughs> Harry was. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yep. Let's talk about our Dare to Declare segment uh, sponsored by Betway because we're talking about the T20 World Cup, which would be on the horizon for you, Finchy. But, you know, you've got a lot of T20 games coming up that every single game, in a way, is kind of in the spotlight. You're up to take on the West Indies now. You've got a team that some of the big names or rather established names, that's the right way to say it, aren't really there. So what would be the focus in this series? Oh, there's, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. I think we've got a great opportunity to get some game time and, and find out some information um, about guys that probably haven't had the exposure just purely because 
Smith, Maxwell, Warner have, have been there in that top six and, and Cummins with the ball as well. So, and Kane Richardson. So it's about finding out information, but also guys cementing their spot for the T20 World Cup. I think we're going to face really similar conditions here and in Bangladesh than what we will in Dubai because they've got the uh, the qualifiers on and then IPL and then the World Cup. So the, the wickets are going to be quite used. So I think for us, for the last couple of years, we've been really consistent at using five bowlers and six batters and being and being really strong. So I think there's there's an opportunity for us to use four bowlers with some all-rounders, I think, and, and just start to change the way that we we play our play our T20 cricket, whether that's a bit more coverage uh, from all-rounders with the ball pinching it over here and there. We've just got, got to get, get better at doing that because we, we've been really structured in the way that – and that was leading up to the 20-over uh, World Cup that we thought was going to be in Australia, that, that that was a method that had worked for us in our conditions, but we probably just need a little bit more batting coverage um, by playing that extra all-rounder. So finding out all that kind of information over the next 10 games is is really important. And of course, you know, the West Indies, some of the big names are back. It's always exciting in this format when you take on the West Indies, just as opponents, what are you looking forward to? When you see the names on the on paper with Russell, um, Russell, Pollard, Gale, the way Evan Lewis has been playing, um, it's so powerful. It's, it's, it's fun to play against because you're, you're there's not too many dot ball. Oh, sorry. There's a lot of dot balls. There's a lot of sixes. There's not a there's not a huge amount of pushing hard twos and and running it. That's sort of the way that that we we like to play our, our cricket as well. But it's such an entertaining game to to watch. Um, I, I love I love it. I love the challenge of it. I know our bowlers as daunting as it can be at times when you're thinking about running into to bowl to Chris Gale. If you're a spinner bowling to Chris Gale and you've seen him destroy attacks in the past. Still having the challenge of getting him out. Um, that, that's what it's all about. Now, and I know our boys are really excited about it. There, there, there's going to be boundaries. There's going to be sixes. There's going to be times when they tear you apart. That's just that's reality. You, you wear that, um, but you, you've got to take that challenge head on. And, and yeah, we're really keen for it. No, we're really looking forward to it just from a fan's perspective, even this young fan. But uh, let's put uh, Aaron Finch on the spot. It's not like he's ever been on the spot before, you know, but let's just do it for fun. Um, it's it's just some quick fire, like rapid fire, Finchy, that we kind of pretty much ask uh, every guest uh, on the show. Who, according to you right now, is Australia's best young talent? Uh, test cricket. Toss it, throw a blanket over Cameron Green and um, Will Pukowski. They're both brilliant players. They've both dominated Sheffield Shield. And in the shorter formats, Josh Philippi. He's someone who's, who's done it consistently in big bash cricket and he's so skillful. You can include yourself in this, but the best captain that you've played under? Best captain tactically, I would say Michael Clark. He, he was. Tactically, very, very good. Um, yeah, he, he was excellent on the field. The best player that you played alongside, you know? Well, over all three formats, it would have to be Virat. The way that that he... One day cricket, he's unbelievable. T20 cricket, he single-handedly robbed us of a T20 World Cup finals opportunity uh, at Mahali. Um, test cricket when he's on he's he's brilliant to watch I love 
the, the pressure that he must be under day in, day out to lead India um, and the way that he does that is, is extraordinary. If you could be another sports person, who would it be and why? Uh, I love golf. So I, I would say Tiger pre all his injury and, and issues. <laughs> um, he was just, he was the biggest superstar on the planet, wasn't he? he was, there was, no one came near him. He, he's probably like the, the modern Ronaldo, I guess. Um, being him wouldn't be bad either. I thought he's going to say Roger Federer again. Roger Federer is still my favourite answer. When my auntie sat next to her husband, who said Roger Federer, she went, "I never do. You've never mentioned tennis in your life." <laughs> I'm, I'm still being schooled for that moment, you know. Uh, nine years of marriage and one baby later, still being schooled for that moment of not knowing. Uh, but Finchy, thank you so much. Uh, thanks so much for taking out the time because you know you're literally on the verge of a series, and it's pretty early in the morning for you. Uh, over there just you know next couple of months i know life in the bio bubbles away from family what's going to keep you going i've got my first baby on the way when we get home from here so that's uh that's due on september 8th at the moment so, oh, well so done, mate. Two, two months away um very excited so amy's at home um kicking cans because i'm not there and uh and she's having to do everything <laughs> yeah. herself um been just over 30 weeks pregnant so she's um no she's going really well and and we've got that to look forward to that's amazing well good luck with that mate thank you guys thank you so much finchie for joining us all the best for the series but congratulations on the fact that yeah, well you're pretty much you guys are already parents you know that pregnancy phase puts you through becoming parents already so congratulations on that on the next innings uh, of your life thank you very much guys cheers finchie Really enjoy that conversation with Aaron Finch on the Players Lounge podcast. Uh, you know, one thing I learned from the Australian captain, and there's so many things to learn, was that conversation that he had with Kane Williamson, which in turn was a nugget of information or knowledge passed on by uh, Hashim Amla, which was that, you know, it can apply to all of us. It, it, it doesn't really matter what, how many hundreds you've scored because when you pass on, people will remember if you're a good person. And we should all try and be good people because I believe in karma. And these are just the kind of things you learn on the Players Lounge podcast subscribe to us follow us on social media we'll get you our clips and fun little information and of course thanks to betway for our dare to declare segment we'll catch you next time Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.